We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 121 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys as I break down who are the guys on offense and defense that nobody is talking about going into this season who are going to have breakout years for USC. I'll read off you guys' responses, also give my thoughts on that. Also some recruiting news to get to as South Carolina has three big announcements coming up Thursday afternoon. I'll give my thoughts on each individual player, where I think each guy will end up. Also some news and notes, your listener questions. Also have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks catcher Hunter Taylor as we break down his South Carolina career, including why he chose USC, his relationship with Chad Holbrook, playing for Mark Kingston, turning around the season in 2018, going to the Super Regionals in Fayetteville, being drafted in the 23rd round of the MLB draft by the Chicago Cubs, life after baseball, and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Tanny Hills Group Therapy, the oldest bar in five points, owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They've got great specials for you guys that'll include Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. They're perfect if you're a local and you want to go grab a bite to eat or if you're in town for game day. They're also perfect for you if you want a night out on the town. They're a really fun spot, a great place to go. Tanny Hills Group Therapy is the way to go if you're in Columbia. Again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy located down in Five Points. Be sure to check those guys out and tell them Chris from Spurs up. Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Episode 121, got a good one. Got a packed show for you guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start and dive into it with a question. You know, it's funny. I I was unsure of what to talk about today because, again, we're only getting so much limited news from camp and things of that nature. But uh, I posed a question to you guys today, and I'm really glad I did because I I really – a lot of response with it, which, again, you guys know I, I always appreciate the response, you guys being interactive. But I posed a question to you guys. And it was simply, who is the one guy, both on offense and defense, that you feel like nobody's talking about right now going into the season that's going to have a monster year for South Carolina, going to be a big-time impact player? Um, So the first one I posted was about the Gamecocks' defense. Um, And I'll go into you guys' responses, because there were a lot of good responses. We had everywhere from Jamias Williams to Rick Sandage to J.J. Nigbari, Jamel Cook. Um, yeah, DJ Wanham, which I think DJ Wanham is certainly being talked about. Um, all of our linebackers is what someone said. Keir Thomas, uh, Israel Mokwamu, Brad Johnson. Um, 
Let's see who else. A lot of Jam Williams in this one. I agree with Jam Williams as well. JT eBay. So a lot of great responses from you guys, which I appreciate. I'm going to talk about mine really quickly. To me, the one guy that is not being talked about for the Gamecocks defensively, the one guy that I don't feel like is getting any love right now, or not nearly as much, and I think he deserves it, is R.J. Roderick. R.J. Roderick, to me, man, a guy that really just, you know, he may not be the most talented guy, but what he makes, what he lacks in talent, he makes up for in a just pure tenacity to take somebody's head off on the field. I mean, a guy that we saw last year, I mean, to me, the play that just summarizes what he's all about is that Akron game, where he takes out the dude, the guy literally fumbles, he stands over him for a second. It was very DJ Swearinger-esque to me. And I think he, you know, I'm not saying he is DJ Swearinger, that even he's going to be DJ Swearinger, but he brings that sort of attitude to the back end of the Gamecocks defense that they simply haven't had since DJ Swearinger left. I mean, again, I think a guy that will be a force back there for Carolina, I know everyone loves to talk about J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu and, you know, the guys up front on the defensive line. And it's fair. You should talk about them. But R.J. Roderick, to me, man, is a guy that I just feel like is really being slept on in the back end of that defense. I mean, anyone who's seen him lately saw him at fan day. I mean, he has changed his body. I mean, he's a lot bigger, put on muscle. I'm really excited for what R.J. Roderick can do at the safety position for South Carolina. Because, again, I mean, you got to think last year, too, he, that was really his first full year playing safety. I believe they said he was a quarterback in high school. So a guy that you expect will only get better under Will Muschamp. I mean, Will Muschamp's specialty is literally safeties. He played the position in college. So I'm really excited for R.J. Roderick. I think R.J. Roderick, to me, is the guy that really nobody is really talking about. You haven't really heard anything regarding R.J. Roderick, but the Gamecocks for so long, I feel like, have been looking for that guy at safety to be that leader since they lost D.J. Swearinger, honestly. And with all due respect to the past guys, South Carolina just simply hasn't had that thumper or that dude back there that really was honestly good enough to command leadership, to demand attention from his defensive teammates. I think R.J. Roderick, again, he's, my, he's not going to be the most talented guy in the secondary, for sure. But R.J. Roderick, to me, is the guy that could be a leader on this South Carolina defense. And a guy, to me, just from the way that he plays, um, just from the way that he plays, I feel like a guy that, that could have a major, major impact, not just on this season, but moving forward in his South Carolina career. Uh, so, obviously, on the other side of the ball, I asked the same question. You know, who's the guy you feel like is not being talked about enough on the Gamecocks offense? Uh, a lot, lot of good ones here. Uh, Ortre Smith, Josh Van, um, Jay Yurick was one, Brian McClendon, another one kind of interesting, Kevin Harris. Um, let's see, the running backs as a whole, Mon Denson, Rodri well, Rodriguez Fitton, but he's also he's on defense. Um, Deshaun Fenwick, uh, that was another one, Ryan Holinsky to carry on Joyner, Keel Pollard. Um, let's see, Ortre Smith, Keel Pollard, Shy Smith, and Brian Edwards. So a lot of varying answers, obviously. So for me, it's funny, you know, you bring up uh, you bring up Keel Pollard, and to me, I, I I I see why you say that. The only reason I don't put Keel Pollard is because I have been talking about Keel Pollard all offseason. Like I think Keel Pollard is going to be a weapon in this South Carolina offense, no question. So for me, the guy on offense, I think nobody's really talking about that's going to have a big year for South Carolina that could have a big year is Josh Van. I think Josh Van. Especially, I mean, it's, it's very easy for guys to get lost in this South Carolina wide receiver room because it's extremely crowded. There's a ton of talent. Josh Van really not getting as much love as any of the other guys. I don't know really. I think people right now don't even really know what to expect from Josh Van. 
I think Josh Van could have a huge 2019 for South Carolina. If you, I mean, if you remember, this kid was a four-star kid out of the state of Georgia. If you remember watching his film, he's making one-handed catches, diving plays. Like, this is a dude who can make the circus catch. And I said last year that I didn't think he'd play a lot as a freshman and have a huge impact, but he's going to have one play that makes you say, wow. Like, you're going you're gonna to see that ability. And I don't know if he really did have that play. I mean, he had a touchdown against Ole Miss. was really the only impact I remember him making last year. But I could see this year being the year. Where again, I don't expect him to lead in yards or touchdowns or anything crazy. But I could see Josh Van making a play this year that makes South Carolina fans stop and go, wow, this dude is really, really good. So, I think for me, Josh Van on offense is the guy that I think could make a major impact for South Carolina. I think he's got the skill set. I think he fits in well what they're trying to do offensively. I mean, he is sort of like a – a Debo Samuel type build. Um, so I, I think Josh Van could have a big year. So for me, offensively, be Josh Van. Defensively, RJ Roderick, the guys that I think nobody's talking about right now that I do expect to have really, really big years for South Carolina. Um, all right, let's move into some recruiting news now. Recruiting news, three big announcements. You guys are obviously listening to this on Thursday. Unfortunate that they're announcing on Thursday and the show drops Thursday because obviously you're hearing this either before they announced or I'm, I'm broadcasting before they announced, obviously. So we don't know, but obviously I can't drop the show late just because of a couple of recruits. I'll have other analysis for you guys on the Daily Crow or some other outlet, obviously. But either way, so three big announcements on Thursday afternoon. Four-star defensive lineman Tonka Hemingway from Conway. Three-star tight end Eric Shaw and four-star defensive back Jaquarius Conley all announcing tomorrow – or Thursday, excuse me, Thursday afternoon. I think it's all within the span of like an hour, too. They're all announcing. Kind of crazy how it all sort of is jumbled up together. But these three guys, obviously, two four-stars and a three-star, all guys that South Carolina really wants. I kind of want to just go over these guys and who I think – where I think they'll land. So, four-star defensive line, Tonka Hemingway. I think Tonka's a Gamecock. Again, coming out of Conway, South Carolina. South Carolina has been, from what we've seen, has been really his leader. It's, it feels like the entire recruiting process – I think it'll be a huge pickup for Will Muschamp just continuing to build out that front seven, continuing to build out the line of scrimmage because obviously it's a line of scrimmage league. You've got to be able to run the football and stop the run in the SEC. And having a guy like Tonka Hemingway, especially when you think that, you know, next year there will be no Javon Kinlaw. So having a guy like Tonka, you definitely needed to get someone with size on your defensive line, get someone in the class. I think Tonka Hemingway can certainly be that guy. So I think Tonka is a Gamecock. Um, Three-star tight end Eric Shaw. Um, I think Shaw is a Gamecock as well. From everything we've seen and heard, it seems like the Eric Shaw will be coming – or should be a Gamecock. It seems like he's been favoring them the entire recruiting process. A guy that – it's funny, was an athlete for a while, but I think the Gamecocks really like him at tight end. I think a guy that could make an impact. It's crazy. The Gamecocks tight end room is feeling very crowded of late. I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of, lot of options at tight end, and they're really recruiting the tight end position. So, I think Eric Shaw is a Gamecock. And then four-star defensive back Jaquarius Conley – uh, from what I've heard, from what sources have told me, I think he's probably UNC bound, which, trust me, guys, I'm as, I'm as befuddled as you are as to why a kid would choose North Carolina over South Carolina to go play football at. Not basketball, but football. I, I'm, as, I'm as puzzled as you. Um, but from everything I've heard, I think defensive back Jaquarius Conley is going to be a Tar Heel. So, we will see. Again, I think if the Gamecocks come out of uh, – if they come out of that um, – those announcements, getting two out of three, I think as a Gamecock fan, you've got to be pretty happy. Kind of get that recruiting momentum back up, get the, get the things rolling going into the season. I think those would be solid pickups for sure. Um, some news and notes to get to. Black Magic jerseys are revealed. So they are finally official. Gamecock football putting out the video, which was fire. Um, 
absolutely awesome. I mean, the jerseys are great. The helmets, the, they went all the way in with the entire throwback theme, if you will, and it looks fantastic. The game that I think they'll wear them for, if I had to guess, would be Florida, if I had to guess, but who knows? I mean, it'd obviously be awesome to see them throw them out against Clemson. I mean, just because of the 1987, you know, just to play off of that. But uh, very cool because most of us have been asking for throwback unis for a long, long time. So to finally get them and get those specifically, I mean, in the video, I mean, they just, they look awesome. Those jerseys look awesome, man. The one thing that I thought was interesting, and I don't know how I feel about it, is that those jerseys are now going to replace the black jersey for South Carolina. That, that I'm not thrilled about. I just, I think, see, here's the thing with me. Like, when you have an alternate jersey or a throwback, when the coolness of it is the fact that it's not worn all the time. Like, it's a special thing, you know what I mean? Versus now it's just a black jersey. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I love the – listen, I love the jersey. Like, I do. I love the jersey. Like, the look, everything is awesome. That throwback look is awesome. But if you're not going to make it the full-time uniform, period, don't make it the full-time uniform of one color. Like, I, that just – I don't know. It seems weird to me. And it is, it is what it is. It'll be interesting to see – Here's the thing. How many times do they wear them? Because if it's a black jersey now, I mean, they're going to wear them two games, three games. I mean, it is possible. So, we'll see. But overall, the jerseys are fire, no question. Um, something else on a personal note that you guys saw obviously came through on Tuesday. Columbia Craft Brewing Company, new sponsor for the Spurs Up show. Very, very, very excited to partner with, with those guys. Something that's been in the works for a while now, literally since the spring. Um, so, very, very excited. I mean, if you're in Columbia – if you're coming to Columbia for a game, their beer is awesome. Go check out Columbia Craft Brewing Company. In my opinion, the best brewery in Columbia. Their beer is phenomenal. Trust me, I've drank enough of it to, enough of it to know. But, uh, no, some great personal news, man. I want to tell you guys about it. Columbia Craft Brewing Company, just awesome to partner up with those guys. Uh, they're actually owned and operated by USC alums, which is a really cool thing, too. They're Gamecocks, and that's really the best partnership. That's the partnership I want to have. So, Appreciate those guys, Columbia Craft Brewing Company. Very, very, very excited to work with those guys and for what's to come, for sure. Um, getting back to the football field, Evan Henson. Evan Henson out for the season due to an irregular heartbeat. Uh, this sucks. I'm not going to lie. This sucks. I mean, Evan Henson, a guy that, you know, we he finally got off the basketball court and focused on one sport, and it still, he, you know, still doesn't pay off for him. And you got to feel for a guy like Evan Henson. He's obviously going to be able to recover and everything, but just to, you know, right before the season, too, I mean, it's just – it's a tough blow, man. I mean, the good news is the Gamecocks are deep at that position, so it's not like he was our only tight end and now we have, you know, we're, we're just – we're lost without him. But overall, you just hate it for the kids. So, Evan Henson going to be out for the season due to that irregular heartbeat. Uh, also, another thing I just really wanted to touch on really quickly, the Twitch streams. If you guys are not tuned into this yet – so, if you don't know, again, I think I may have talked about it Monday, but if you don't know what Twitch is and you're listening to this, it is basically just streaming for video games. So, like – what I've been doing and I'm going to continue to do is I am simulating the 2019 football season. So just had our uh, third game tonight, which I'm recording this Wednesday night, obviously. Had our third game tonight against Alabama. God, it was a thriller. I, I don't know. Gamecocks just falling short, 41-35. South Carolina literally had the ball inside the 10-yard line with two minutes left and couldn't punch it in. Um, but anyways, th this content is – I'll be honest with you guys, this Twitch content, it's probably some of the most fun content I've ever made in my entire life. I mean, just, just genuine, pure fun of how laid back it is and people interacting and obviously getting to watch the games. Like, it is so awesome 
this content. It's just awesome. It's awesome. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys, everyone that is tuned in, everyone that's interacted. Um, it, it, if you haven't, like I said, it's fun stuff. I mean, if you got time to kill, I'm doing them seven o'clock every night, Monday through Friday, obviously the rest of this week and then next week. And I think we'll have two more days after that to finish simulating the season. If you're not tuned in yet, I mean, I suggest you do. It's very entertaining. It's a good time. I basically commentate over the games during the time and you'd be, you'd be shocked at how much I lose my mind and how seriously I take it, but it's all in fun. And I, I it's a blast, man. If you're not, if you're not tuning into those, I'm telling you, you, just give it a chance. You will have a good time. It's awesome. So, um, all right. want to get into some listener questions because there's a ton of listener questions. And I really appreciate you guys leaving a bunch of questions, especially right now when, you know, to be honest, there's not an overflow of news, if you will, just again, because I've said before, guys, like camp is closed. I mean, hey, South Carolina had a scrimmage um, on Tuesday. But, I mean, what is there to take away? We can't watch it. They don't tell us anything. So, um, all right. So, let's get into the listener questions anyway. So, we'll start. Um, Tame Mir- Tamers, Tamers, give a shout out to SC Media Department for that awesome throwback video. Indeed, that video was sick, man, no doubt. Um, Kirk underscore Perry, one, two, three. Can Bentley, can Bentley call, I don't even know what this says. I, th- I guess he's saying, can Bentley have a strong senior season with a, with a win over the big three? Um, yes, again, I, I don't really know what your question was, but yeah, if he beats one of the big three, I mean, I, I think if South Carolina beats one of the big three, it's a successful year either way. I mean, you, you broke through and won a game you weren't supposed to. That's, that's huge. Um, Saucy Bro 22, what is the mindset of Nick Saban having lost at Williams-Brice but also playing Muschamp? I, I mean, guys, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think that 2010 game is going to affect anything that happens this year at all. I mean, it's nine years later. I mean, it's a new new team. Obviously, new teams, new coach, you know, new coach on the South Carolina side, I, you know, I just don't think that 2010 game – it's, it's going to be built up, obviously, and played up by the fans, which it should be, and that's awesome. But for the actual teams on the field, that 2010 game has no effect on what happens this year. Um, Hutton underscore Thomas 13, chance we see battle gray or new battle uh, in our unis, new battle armor in our unis. I don't think so. I don't think they're doing battle armor anymore. They're not, they're not just going to do – they're not going to do one on their own. So I think all we're going to get this year is the throwbacks, which, hey, don't complain. Those throwbacks are fire. Um, K underscore hop 12 expectations for Anderson and Pickens this year. Yeah. So I think Zach Pickens will play a lot, man. Uh, I, I think Zach Pickens will certainly play a lot. He's a, he's a damn good player. He's got size. He's got speed. Um, he's a dude to me again. And you come in as a five-star, you should play. I mean, you really should. You, I know not all of them do, but I mean, especially for the Gamecocks on the defensive line, he's a guy that will be in the rotation. I'd be shocked if he's not. Joseph Anderson, kind of a tougher one to gauge. I think Anderson will play, but I just don't know how much. I mean, it seems like the Gamecocks are better off at end than they are tackle. I could be wrong on that. I mean, the Gamecocks are deep on the defensive line either way. But I'm sure you're going to see him on the field. I just don't know how much he'll play this year. Um, Mr. Underscore Incredible 01, will Jake Bentley finally have the year we have been waiting for him to have? Hopefully. I mean, listen, I said before, I mean – there really is no excuse now because you've got Tavian Feaster in the backfield with you. The running game should be – the running game should at least be adequate. It should be adequate, which should give Jake Bentley more of an opportunity to lure safeties and be able to throw the football, open up the, throw, uh, open up the passing game. So, I, I think he certainly can. But, I mean, you know, it's just wait and see, man. It's just wait and see. And I think it also depends on – What's the when you say the year we've been waiting for him to have? Well, what's the year that you've been waiting on? Are you talking about the year 
where he leads South Carolina to a 10-win season? Are you talking about the year where he throws for a certain amount of yards? Because your preconceived expectations of him are going to have an impact on what you're talking about. Um, by Brantley Strickland, most winnable game, Bama at Georgia or Clemson? Um, I'm going to say, and I talked about this before, I think it's at Georgia. I, I just think the way that Georgia plays will keep South Carolina in the game. Um, I, I do think the way they play will keep South Carolina in the game. Bama, to me, is the least winnable, to be honest with you. I, I just I, – I'm Bama scares me. Bama scares me a lot. The Clemson game, I think, just playing off of the rivalry aspect will probably be a night game. You know, South Carolina gave them a good game, a decent game a year ago. If their defense can be fully healthy, I think South Carolina have a chance in that one. Not, not predicting a win, obviously, but I, I just think at, at – but, uh, but I think at Georgia, though. I mean, Clemson's so good offensively. That's what I was trying to say. Clemson's so good offensively. It's going to be tough to beat them, even with the home game and stuff like that. But at Georgia, to me, you know, Georgia <clears> – Georgia obviously got Jake from. He's never lost at home, but a lot of questions at wide receiver. And, again, just the way – the style of play for them, if the Gamecocks kind of have a solid day defensively, they will be in that game in the second half, no matter what. They will be in that game in the second half. So, I, I just think – I think the style of play that Georgia has will open it, to, open it up the most to a potential of an upset. Um, let's see here. Next question. Okay. Lord, Lord Delmo MP4. When is the Alabama stream? It happened on Wednesday afternoon. I apologize. I'm used to every night at seven though. Be sure to tune in those streams. Um, Dusty J 716. Will we wear the new unis for the Alabama game? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I think it's probably Florida. Big underscore con Sneed. Which player will be the first Gamecock drafted in next year's draft? Javon Kinlaw easily in my opinion. Capped underscore way. Think they'll bring back the the black death flag with the new unis. That's a good question, and honestly, I wish I could bring back the black death flag. You guys have probably seen the black death T-shirts. If I can find a flag distributor, I will get those flags made. So if anybody listening to this podcast knows someone to go through where you could get flags made, a flag distributor, I will a hundred percent get those flags made. Um, let's see. Lord, Lordelmo.mp4 again. Do you think we could be a 10-win team? I, I think – I really think 9-3 and three is the ceiling. I, I just – I mean, maybe 10-2, and two, but realistically, no. I, I don't think South Carolina is a 10-win team this year, not at all. I mean, I've got them 7-5. and five. You know, I think 8-4 and four would be a fantastic year this year, to be honest with you. Uh, Sprague underscore Jack, player poised for a breakout year. Well, I talked about him offensively, defensively. Uh, those two guys, I mean – I'd say Tavian Feaster, man. I think Tavian Feaster could be primed for a huge year, finally being the starter somewhere. Um, hit another question from Sprague underscore Jack. Prediction on how the game versus UNC will go. Score, advantages, disadvantages, et cetera. Um, in the season preview that we did back in July, I've got the Gamecocks. I forget what the final score was. I've got it something like a 27 to 10 win. Um, I think it'll be a convincing win, but I think just opening game, I don't think South Carolina obviously plays their best football that day, but I think they get the win. I think the Gamecocks have a huge advantage defensively. Um, I think UNC just simply is not – I mean, they're going to be starting a freshman. Their offensive line's inexperienced. I think the Gamecocks have the advantage defensively, can really, really – I mean, the defense should feast against UNC, no question. And then offensively, I think the Gamecocks should be able to win some matchups. Hopefully, Tavian Feaster kind of gets rolling. Um, but overall, South Carolina's just a better team. I mean, they, they should win that game 27-10. to 10. I think it could, it could be even more, to be honest with you. Um, 
John underscore Wilgus underscore IV. Been taking shots to Clemson fans, and it blows my mind how easy it is to get in their head. Just, hey, tell me something we don't know, man. That, that is 110% for sure the truth. John underscore Wil Wilgus underscore IV. Again, these Twitch streams have me laughing, pissed, and cheering. So much fun. Yeah, like I said, man, the Twitch streams are awesome. The Twitch streams are so much fun. If you're not tuning in, be sure to do so. Um, ADR dot underscore Drew. What will Josh Van's role be, and how does UNC's defense look? So, I mean, I think Josh Van's going to be your probably your third or fourth receiver, a slot guy. Again, a guy that's going to eat up catches for you. And I think we'll play a bigger role than people expect. Um, UNC's defense, I mean, we'll obviously get into UNC the week of the game. Um, but UNC's defense, from what I know, is okay, but not great. Gamecocks should be able to expose them a little bit. Mr. underscore Brian underscore Fertig underscore Junior. Hypothetically speaking, if Will Muschamp is fired in a couple of seasons, who's on the short list? I mean, in a couple of seasons, you never know. But, I mean, I, the first one that comes to mind to me is the, the, uh, the Matt Campbell guy at Iowa State. I think he'd be a really, really good one if he's still there. Um, I mean, from there, man, you never know just because it's so unpredictable in the sense of, like, who is the young up-and-coming guy? You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. Who, who's the young, who is the young up-and-comer at that time? Because I feel like it changes a lot every year. You know, it, it seems to me that it really – that it really, really changes a lot. So that, that's a hard one to predict. I mean, I don't know, man. That's tough. <laughs> that's very, very tough. Um, let's see. Do we have any more questions? I believe that is it. I believe that is all. Here, here we go. Here we go. We actually have one more. Here we go. Gamecock Realist or at Eddie Spagnola on Twitter asks, would a 6-6 six and six record for, the 2019, for 2019 be considered a failure? In my opinion, six or maybe even seven wins might not be enough to continue the upward trend with recruiting and landing more elite players. Guys want to see results in the field, regardless of how tough the schedule is. Um, I think, no, seven and five is definitely not a failure. Not, and that is one thing, you know, not to call you out or anybody else, that's one thing that scares me the most about this season, is if Gamecock fans are going in this season saying that seven and five is a complete failure, it, I mean – you've got to realistically look at the schedule. I, I hate to – I don't want to use it as a crutch, but you have to be somewhat realistic. You've got to be somewhat realistic. Seven and five is not a failure of a season, not with the schedule the Gamecocks have. Um, six and six, not every six and six is, six is built equally. So, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I'd have to see, but six and six is going to – be tough to swallow I, it just it will six and six would be tough to swallow simply because you're basically saying you're going to beat everybody you should and lose to everybody that's decent so I mean you know that's going to be tough to swallow but either way if you make a bowl game in 2019 I think you continue you keep the stability of the program it's not going to be detrimental to the program to, to make a bowl game like it's even if you're six and six I don't think you lose any momentum building the program I don't think so I really don't. Um, you'd be surprised how much more goes into it for these recruits than just what's happening on the field. Most of them don't care. I mean, obviously, they want to play at championship caliber programs, but a lot of them don't care, like, what the results are on the field. I mean, I agree if you go four and eight, you might derail the recruiting class that way. But, I mean, you make a bowl game, I think you do sustain – at least sustain it. You may not help it grow, but you sustain it. So – I think as long as you make a bowl game, you're doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, and then anything more than six and six is just like, you know, icing on the cake. I mean, I think you go set 
God forbid, you know, you go eight and four. Oh, you have just, it's, I mean, it, you have really, you have really taken it to the next level, in my opinion. Um, all right, let's get into our interview here. Let's get into our interview, guest interview with former Gamecocks catcher Hunter Taylor. Hunter, awesome guy. I uh, was able to talk to him. You know, he played for the Gamecocks from 2015 to 18, was on that team in 2018 that, you know, really turned it around midseason, um, went, went to Fayetteville, the Super Regionals, was a game away from going to Omaha. Really great conversation with him, his career, kind of post-baseball. A lot of good stuff with Hunter, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. You guys hear me talk about SeatGeek a lot. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only ticket-buying app I use. Go download SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase, guys. It's now or never. Buy your football tickets. You got to get them. I know it's not really now or never, but you got to buy your tickets at some point. Why not save some money in the process? Your game ball tickets, whether you're going to the game in Charlotte against UNC, you're going to the home opener against Charleston Southern, whether you need a ticket to one of the big three games against Bama, Georgia, or Clemson, or any of the other games on the schedule. SeatGeek is the place to go. And, hey, why not use the promo code? Why not use a Gamecock promo code and save money? when you're getting your Gamecocks tickets. How much sense does that make, right? They've also got tickets to all their sporting events, MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, every sporting event you can think of, concerts, comedy club events. It also doesn't have to be sports. Literally everything you can buy a ticket to, SeatGeek has got it. They've got a great ticket rating system for you where they rate the tickets based on the type of deal you're getting. So you will never overpay for tickets again. You're going to know exactly the value of the ticket you're getting. You're going to have that peace of mind before you click the buy button. It's really that simple. They, they really do all the work for you on their end. They do all the work for you as far as finding the best ticket, the best price, everything. All it is your job to do is go to SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download SeatGeek and use that promo code. Use that promo code SPURSUP. It's S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks catcher Hunter Taylor. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for the Gamecocks from 2015 to 2018. During his career, he hit 240 with 11 home runs and 58 RBIs. He also led the SEC as a senior by throwing out 22 runners trying to steal. He was named to the NCAA Regional All-Tournament team in 2016 and was drafted in the 23rd round of the 2018 MLB Draft by the Chicago Cubs. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks catcher Hunter Taylor. Hunter, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be on. Absolutely. So I, I want to start, Hunter. One thing that I did not know about you, you're from the state of Virginia. You're from Only Virginia, and you're obviously a guy that was a very highly regarded prospect. Just kind of talk about, you know, your recruitment, because with baseball recruiting, it's so interesting. It starts so early, and guys commit so early. But with you, just kind of talk about your recruitment. When did South Carolina come into play, and when did you know that you were going to be a Gamecock? Yeah, so um, I'm from a really, really small town, um, really small high school, so. But high school didn't have a whole lot to do with me being recruited, but I did play for the Canes um, with Jeff Petty. And I went to a camp in uh, Richmond, and Coach Holberg was there and uh, watched me for a little bit and came up to me after. And this is when I was in, I believe, 10th grade. So uh, came up to me after, kind of talked a little bit, asked me if I wanted to come down and take a visit. Uh, I took a visit, and I knew as soon as I stepped on campus that this is where I wanted to go. Uh, I was absolutely blown away. And I knew that this was the spot for me. You, you mentioned Coach Holbrook, Hunter. So just kind of talk about your first interactions with him. Obviously, a guy that, you know, when you were getting recruited in 2014, I mean, South Carolina is fresh off the two national championships, three straight national championship appearances. And 
really he had just taken over as head coach, what, I think the year before that. So just, just kind of talk about what your relationship like was like, uh, your first interactions with Chad Holbrook. Yeah, I was uh... – you know, I was I was honored that he wanted me as, you know, he had just taken over. That was pretty cool. They had just had uh, three big runs. That was, you know, that was awesome. Um, but it was good. I mean, we uh, we connected, you know, as soon as we started talking and everything went good. And uh, it was a, you know, it was a good experience. There was nothing, nothing that I would ever change about it. It was, you know, from, from the get-go, it was, you know, good. Let's, let's get me here. I want to be here, that type deal. For sure. So your freshman season, Hunter, jumping into 2015, uh, you played a decent amount as a freshman. You hit 238, had two homers, 15 RBIs, um, got up to the plate 93 times, played in 32 games. So you played a fair amount as a freshman. Try to kind of describe to people the the transition you went through going from high school baseball to SEC baseball. Oh, my gosh. It was huge. It was unlike anything that I had ever imagined it would be. I mean, I went from playing – at Nandua High School in only Virginia with, you know, maybe 20 fans to South Carolina. It was, it was mind-blowing. Uh, it, it took me a little while to get used to it. Like I said, I mean, it was – I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. Um, but after that first at-bat, after, after that first inning catching, you know, it all – it all just turns into baseball. Um, but it was absolutely mind-blowing. What was kind of your your own personal like welcome to the SEC moment? Was like was there like a guy that you faced or maybe one of your teammates that you caught? Maybe one of your own teammates yeah. you faced. Like what was that welcome to the SEC moment where you're like this is a lot different? Uh, that had to be probably when we played Vanderbilt my freshman year. We faced Carson Fulmer and uh, Walker Bueller. <laughs> that was uh yeah that was good luck. For sure. So anyone who's a diehard Gamecock baseball fan, Hunter, who has watched you knows you're a guy that you, throughout your career, I mean, you showed, I mean, you were a leader on the team and you play with a certain fire and intensity. Uh, where did that come from for you? Is that something you always had? Or, I mean, where did that, where did that spark, I guess you could say, come for, uh, come for you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been like that. Um, you know, freshman year may, be, may have been a little different because, you know, new guy, whatever, um, but after that, you know, it was I've always wanted to win. And baseball for me it was always about winning. There was no never any, you know, I anything like that. So I've always uh wanted to win and I've always had that mindset that, you know, if you, you try to win, good things happen. Um so I'd say that and just the fact that we didn't want to lose. None of us wanted to lose ever. Um and when you put you know, you put nine guys on the field like that, it's it's a good recipe to win. For sure. So that 2016 season, Hunter, you really didn't play a whole lot. I mean, played in 15 games. But like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, South Carolina goes into the regionals, and you're actually named NCAA regional all-tournament team in 2016. Just kind of talk about that regional for you guys and then for you specifically. You know, what was clicking for you in a season where, again, you didn't play a ton, but you were able to come up big in the uh, in the postseason? Yeah. Um, it's funny bringing that up. I was actually going to transfer uh, – after the season and I believe we were playing Rhode Island we got beat by Rhode Island uh, mm. first first game um, so it was kind of like back against the wall um, I got thrown in there the next day and I was like hey here we go strap it on we got to win we uh, got our backs against the wall it's time to get going and uh, we ended up blowing out I think Rhode Island next game or Duke so I can't remember somebody and then you know the rest of the postseason I played a decent amount and um, it really, 
it really changed my uh my look on it like i said i was going to transfer but after that i was like man i can't this place i can't leave this this is this is unlike anything i'll ever be a part of anywhere else so, so it was uh yeah i was gonna say was so very, i think that's something that's uh I guess a little bit eye-opening, not shocking because transfers happen a lot in baseball. But what were the uh, – so it was just that regional that really made you, that made the decision to uh, just stick it out. Yeah, it was it was that. I mean, not even playing, just, you know, seeing all the fans there and all the hype around that regional. It was you – know, I was like, man, I can't, I can't leave this. I'd be crazy to. You can't find this anywhere else in college baseball. So Hunter, you also had one of the op- or had an opportunity to play in one of the best, if not the best, rivalry in all of college baseball, the uh, the South Carolina Clemson rivalry. Just again, you being an out of state guy, I'm not sure how much you were familiar with Carolina Clemson at all, but just kind of talk about that rivalry, your experiences in it, and when did you when when did you come to terms or realize that that was not just another series? The the BP before the first game we played Clemson, I I you know I. I knew about it, but I really didn't know about it, if you know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. BP before that first game kind of hit me like, huh, we got to beat these guys. <laughs> um, but it was it was right before the first game. Like I said, being out of state, I really didn't – I mean, I knew about it, but I really didn't know that much about it. And uh, But BP before that first game, it really hit me. You know, we <laughs> these guys, uh, they're our rivals. It's time to It's time to go play and see what happens. What's the worst thing you heard from the crowd and uh, in, in, in Doug Kingsmore? Oh, the worst thing I probably can't say on here, but uh, <laughs> I know there was my uh, my good friend Alex. You know, he was playing left, and uh, he came in and he looked at me and he went, "Hunter, am I fat?" <laughs> and I said, "Alex, I said, Alex, you gotta stop, man. I think they're trying to get to you." And he went, "But, but am I fat?" And I said, "Alex, you're fine. Good play." <laughs> that was that was uh that was a good one. Oh man that's awesome so you're you know hunter you're one of the few guys i think i've had one or two more but you're one of the few guys that went through the the coaching change from chad holbrook to mark kingston and it's kind of ironic that you know after 2016 you know you decide to stick it out not transfer the, then the 2017 season happens which with all due respect i'm sure there were at times you were like man i came back for this because it was a rough year for you guys it's just I'm put it out there. It was yeah. a really rough, it was a really rough season um, for you. You played a little bit, hit 212 on the year, but overall as a team, it just didn't happen. Whether it was pitching, whether it was injuries, really tough year. Chad Holbrook loses his job at the end of the season. Just kind of talk about and walk me through. You know, again, you come back for your junior year. The guy that recruited you though is now fired. Talk, talk, talk to me about when you found out and just sort of what your reaction was. Yeah, we got a call saying, you know, we had a, we actually had a meeting on the phone. I believe it was with uh with everybody and um kind of introduced everyone and I'm not gonna lie it was it was strange I mean we were all kind of like oh what's gonna happen um but I will say the first day that we got there and we all had you know got in the team meeting with coach Kingston and everybody it was it was very uh it changed quickly and went from okay you know what's what's gonna happen to all right this is what he wants to do we want to win he wants to win let's make it happen. It was no, it was, you know, first day, there was no, uh, no more questioning what was, what was going to happen after that. It was clear that we were on the same page as far as, you know, let's go out with a win. Let's, let's win. Let's get, let's get to where we want to be. And uh, like I said, there was no, no confusion on that. He, he, uh, he welcomed us with open arms and knew we wanted to win. He wanted to win and kind of went from there. 
When you look at the Chad Holbrook era, you know, Hunter, you know, the, the thing that kind of perplexes me with that is that, you know, I think Chad is a really, really good baseball coach. I mean, obviously, the guy has been on multiple national championship teams, not just in South Carolina, but North Carolina as well. I mean, if you had to put your finger on it, because that 2017 team had talent, like you said, some bad bounces, injuries, like really derailed that season. But I mean, I mean, what what do you think? I mean, what, what do you think that the beginning of the end, if you will, that that era, like where did that come from? Because I know me as just a fan, as someone, an outside observer, I was very surprised at the way his tenure went because I just assumed when he was hired, South Carolina is just going to keep winning. We're going back to Omaha. And I think the expectations obviously were crazy because people, and you would know this firsthand, people don't understand just how incredibly hard it is to get to Omaha. But do you feel like Chad Holbrook in any way got sort of an unfair shake? Or, I mean, what's your take on it? Because I know that people were kind of 50-50, some on the fence, that he shouldn't have been let go, should have been let go. Uh, well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the whole, you know, the whole behind the uh, behind the scenes type deal. I mean, we, like I said, our, our job was to show up and play. And uh, like you said, I mean, people don't realize just how hard it is. And when you have injuries, when you have, you know, things that happen that you can't control it's it's really hard but at the end of the day the fans you know they we're, we're South Carolina we're supposed to win and uh, I'm not I couldn't tell you what what the actual beginning of the end was but I do know we had a lot of miss unfortunate events and injuries that and you know you can't help that like like you said it's out it's out of our control but the fans want to win and that's you know that's they should that's how it's always been so I'd say just, you know, just like you said, injuries, things that are out of our control. A lot of that happened at the wrong time. And, and fans want to win at the end of the day. So you talked about things quickly changed when Mark Kingston was hired. And I think most Gamecock fans, most rational Gamecock fans, think very highly of Mark Kingston. I think he's got the program heading back in the right direction, back where it was under Ray Tanner. But you talked about things changed. I remember going into the 2018 season, and that was my biggest thing I was saying to Gamecock fans. I thought, you're really going to see a change philosophically, philosophically, um, just in the way you guys played, attacked each day, attacked each game, whatever, et cetera. But talk about what were the biggest changes for you guys? Like, you guys get into fall, uh, fall practice. What, I mean, what did he – what was the kind of the biggest change, would you say, overall? There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, change baseball wise. I mean, we we still did the same stuff. We still we still practiced hard. We did everything the same way. But I think it was more of a change with us as a team. You know, we we had just come off a bad season and we kind of got together and said, hey, that can't happen again. You know, this is South Carolina. That that's not supposed to happen. Let's let's get this thing figured out. And uh, and he you know he was there and helped us a lot with that. I mean. He took. He let. He let some of the senior, you know older kids. He kind of let them. Not not saying he let us coach, but he let us you know get things straight and take care of some stuff between ourselves. So um, I think it was just a. I guess just a fresh a fresh start, if you would, um, mm. starting over, fresh start. We had like you said had a bad season the year before, and you know I remember talking with uh, with Chris Cullen before the season started, and I was like, man, we we got to figure this out. But um, that's exactly what we did. We we kind of just said, you know what, let's let's go out on top and uh, let's just win. Who cares about everything else? Who cares what the media says? Who cares what the fans say? Let's just go win. And so, we did it. Yeah, so kind of sticking on that same note as well, you're moving into the 2018 season, your senior year. I, it, it's funny because, you know, I asked and it, it's – 
to see the way you guys made progressions and steps really offensively as well because, I mean, you had a lot of guys that really maybe didn't reach their full potential or were not key guys. That I mean, even yourself. I mean, your best year as a hitter, 261 average, nine homers, 34 RBIs. Already talked about you led the SEC in throwing guys out. So, I mean, you had a great year. You think of a guy like Madison Stokes, who had by far his best year at South Carolina. I mean, I know you said nothing changed, but, man, offensively, it felt like he had some magic potion or whispered something in you guys' ears before you took the plate because it was just like a different team offensively in 2018. Yeah, we uh, we hit a lot. I mean, and it wasn't just him. It was us, too. I mean, we would go get our extra work in more than we needed to sometimes. and We hit a lot. We used pitch machines a lot. Um and those, you know, I think that I don't know if it was the pitching machines or what, but there was something that changed. I don't know if it was timing or what, but something changed. And another thing I think that helped was every single one of us on the team knew what our niche was. We knew, you know, we knew who the home run hitters were. We knew who who needed to get on base. Like for myself, I, I mean, I knew I was good at throwing people out, and that's that's what I tried to do. That's what I tried to make myself good at. And then the hitting came. So. I think it was a little bit a mixture of that and some mixture of everybody knew what they needed to do to get the job done to win and went out there and did it and didn't try to do too much, didn't try to, you know, do do something they didn't need to do. They just did what they were good at. Um, we, like I said, we knew who, who was going to hit home runs. We knew who was going to get on base. We knew who was going to pitch, stuff like that. Knowing, uh, having your teammates back and knowing, knowing who needs to do what, I think that was – another big help so yeah so that 2018 season I already mentioned your banner year Hunter I mean again the best year of your career what as a hitter what do you think changed for you or what clicked that senior season where you're able to do what you did um that's a good question I think that the biggest thing for me was I just had confidence you know I I got in the box and I said I'm 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 getting a hit you know if I don't oh well but I'm gonna get a hit I'm going to hit this ball hard. And I think that was that was the biggest thing for me was just I had a lot more confidence than I ever had before. Um, my timing got a lot better. And, you know, I was catching a lot. And as I was catching a lot, I got to see more, you know, I got more bats and my timing got better and started hitting a few more balls out. And it all just kind of clicked, I think. But like I said, I think the biggest thing was just having confidence. And the reason I could have confidence was because I knew that the guy behind me he could get the job done even if I didn't. So, Hunter, that 2018 season was really, really interesting for you guys because obviously it, it didn't get off to the hottest of starts. I mean, there was a lot of midweek struggles. There was SEC struggles. I think you guys were – well, I could be wrong, but like one in five in conference. And then the press – I think it was the Presbyterian game happened. And you guys sort of – I remember there was a specific – it felt like there was a specific date where – Something happened internally with you guys where it just – you guys turned it on. I mean, you go sweep LSU. I remember that that second half of the season. I think you guys won – what was it, five or six straight SEC series? Something crazy. I mean, talk about to me what, what changed. What was that – I'm sure you probably can't tell everything that was said in that players-only meeting or that meeting you guys had. But, I mean, what changed that, that led to that huge second-half turnaround in 2018? Yep, after that game, it was that Presbyterian game. After that game, we kind of got together and we were like, guys, if we want to have a repeat of last year, we can keep doing this or we can turn this around right now. And uh, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly what happened for it to be like that, but after that game, it was, it was you know, 
all right, let's let's get it together and let's get going and let's let's show these people what we're about. Uh, and like I said, that was that game was the most pivotal, in my opinion, the the, the best thing to happen all season for us was losing that game because after that game we were like, all right, this this is not going to happen again. And I don't care what we have to do. We're we're getting this thing figured out and we're going to win. And that senior season, you caught a lot of good arms. I mean, you think of who, who you guys had. You had Adam Hill, Cody Morris, Eddie Demarius. The list goes on and on. Who, who I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was your favorite guy to catch off that team? My favorite guy to catch off that team was uh, Cody. Yeah. Cody, just because just he was a bulldog. I mean, there would be times I'd go out to talk to him, and he'd just stare at me, and I'd be talking, he'd stare at me, and I'd be like, all right, then, I guess you're good. Here we go. <laughs> but yeah, Cody was—he was really fun to catch. And uh, towards the end of the season, he, like I said, he was just a bulldog. He didn't care what you thought of him. He didn't care who you were in the box. He was—he was, he was going to get you out. So I want to jump ahead, Hunter, to that to the postseason, 2018. You guys go to the Greenville Regional, which um, I, I thought maybe you guys should have hosted. But either way, you go to Greenville, and what I think what people that if you've never been up there. ECU fans are some of the – that's a rowdy place. Greenville is a rowdy, rowdy place. But you guys are able to come out, go undefeated in that one. A lot of dramatics in that, in that, uh, in that regional. I, I think the first thing I think of is Danny Blair's clutch home run against Ohio State. Um, I know in that one I just had the stats pulled up. You had a, uh, an RBI double, scored two runs against uh, UNC Wilmington, which I feel like the play was kind of funny because the ball barely gets out of the infield. Uh, t- talk about that. Talk about that base hit specifically. Have you ever had a double that went as short as that one did? Uh, I think maybe the only double that's been that short was in the regional my sophomore year, which was, I guess, 2016, that hit third base and scored, uh, I think it might have been Dom. But besides that, no, I had not. And it was, you know, I was – uh, very happy when it went through because I really didn't think it was making it through when it did. <laughs> it was, I mean, I got jammed real, real bad. I didn't get any barrel on that ball, but somehow it made it through and I'm glad it did, but it ended up working out. I remember, uh, I think I, I remember after we won that regional, people were saying, man, they didn't even like, they were excited. And the reason for that was because we knew, you know, we knew what we had next. That was just, that was just one step for us. We knew what we had to do next. Um, and so I think I think that's just another another point for our whole season. You know, we we didn't get excited because we wanted to keep winning. There, that was you know, yeah, we won that regional and that's great, but we had more to do. We had more to finish. For sure. And what was next for you guys was the Arkansas Razorbacks, who were I think I believe they were a national seed, one of the best teams in college baseball. And you guys go into Fayetteville and we put up a hell of a fight. You lose game one, bounce back. Win game two, you have – I think you had a home run in that one or one of the other games. If I, I it slipped my mind. But I know you had a home run in that Super Regional. I mean, you guys take Arkansas all the way to game three. And I really think, you know, Hunter, if you guys maybe had another arm. I mean, Carmen Majinski was a true freshman, so you're asking a lot of him going out there. But I, it was sort of a felt like a situation where you guys sort of just ran out of pitching. But, I mean, overall, again, to the way the season started versus how it ended, you guys getting all the way to the Supers one game from Omaha – I know the disappointment, especially that being your last college game, that game three against Arkansas. But I'm sure, you know, looking back at it now, there's definitely a sense of pride that you guys, you know, made it as far as you did. Yeah, you know, and at the time it was – at the time it didn't feel like that. But looking back at it now, I mean, it, it's it's truly unbelievable. But after – I mean, after that Presbyterian game, I, I couldn't tell you how many games we won or, or what we did. But I just remember it being like – 
completely different. It wasn't – it didn't even seem like it was the same season. It felt like we just started our season after that game and, and rolled. Um, but, it, it, like I said, it's it's – looking back on it now, it's unbelievable what we did. And it was it was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. Every game. I mean, every single game was awesome. No doubt. So during that time, obviously during the postseason, the MLB draft is happening. Hunter, you're taking 23rd round uh, by the Chicago Cubs. Talk to me about. We'll get into the the stuff that happened after in just a second. But talk to me about kind of where you were because it's funny with the MLB draft, which I think is so stupid. And you can chime in if you want. But the fact that the draft is literally held when some guys are in the middle of playing games to me is like the wildest thing I've ever heard. I mean, that just seems ridiculous to think a guy could be on the mound or at the plate and. He's literally get like it's the biggest moment of his life, and he's getting drafted. Like it seems like they could, they could schedule that better or something. But talk about just <laughs> yeah. where you were, the emotions you got when you get the call. I mean, I, I imagine that had to be a, a lifelong dream fulfilled. Yeah, I was. We were actually we were practicing. Um, it was. I was standing there at home plate. I think we were doing cuts and relays or something. And uh, Jonah was drafted right before me, and you know everybody kind of ran out there, and I think one of the managers told him. And everybody kind of ran out there, and everybody was, you know, super pumped or whatever. And then it was – it wasn't a couple minutes right after that. Um, they ran out there and told me, and it was it was mind-blowing. I didn't know what to think at first. It didn't really hit me until after when my uh, my mom called me crying. That's that's kind of – that's when it sunk in for me. Um, but it was, it was unbelievable. That's probably one of the best days of my life I can think of to this point. Um, it, it's I can't even explain it. It was it was awesome, and my I was surrounded by my whole you know all my team that we've been battling with just won a a regional and it was it was awesome. No doubt. So I, I want to get into what happened after because Hunter, I mean, we were talking a little bit off air. I had no clue about this, but you are drafted by the Chicago Cubs, like I mentioned. You go into the physical though, and just kind of tell everybody what happened because again, I was. Very surprised, had no clue that this happened, but obviously health issues came up to uh, to bite you a little bit. Yeah, so um, I was drafted uh, about two weeks later, sent out to Arizona, getting everything straight, you know, kind of getting everything figured out with contract and all that. And I took a physical um, and I found out I had a broken vertebrae um, in which they were like, man, you need to – this is, a, you know, kind of a big deal. You need to take, you need to take some time and get this figured out, or it's going to give you problems for the rest of your life. Um, so I, they didn't sign me. Uh, they didn't pass the physical. I couldn't play. But, um, you know, got it straight after that. Came back here, and South Carolina helped me out tremendously. I got a big back brace for that for the rest of the summer. Um, got it healed for the most part. Uh, tried to play independently after that, and I had a few teams that wanted me, but they just couldn't. Couldn't do it because of my back. It was it was still uh, giving me some issues. So it was one of them things where, oh well, but everything happens for a reason. So it sucked at the time, but looking back at it now, you know, it could have been, it could have been something that, you know, hurt me the rest of my life or something bad could have happened. So yeah, and and that's a great perspective to have. You know, again, everything happens for a reason. This is for this is gonna you know where one door closes, another opens type deal. But I mean. You know, just talk about, I mean, even now, I mean, is there an is there an opportunity? Is it an injury where it will never heal? Because to me, it seems crazy that, again, you're a guy that's a 23rd-round draft pick. I mean, 
no offense to all the free agents, you know, the, the guys that sign as free agents, but it's not like you signed as a free agent. I mean, you were, you know, top 25 round guy. I mean, it, is there any path back to professional baseball for you or is the back just going to kind of always be a lingering thing? You think? Yeah. Yeah. I tried. I, uh, I tried for a long time, actually. I, you know, tried to get back into it and it was just, you know, my back's healed. It's not broken, but there's just, it's, it still gives me problems. And I don't think that I could catch a full minor league season like that. I, I, there's no way, you know, it's, it still gives me some issues every now and then, but it's not as bad as it was. But like I said, I, there, I don't think there's any way I could get through a full season and, you know, I don't want to go out there and, and hurt myself. Mm bad for you know for nothing I mean I love baseball I'd do anything to be able to play again but at the end of the day you kind of got to look at it and say all right what's 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 best for me I you know I do love the game I love the game more than anything but there's a point where you got to say all right enough you know enough's enough you got to figure some other stuff out so do you do you see a future in baseball at all are you on to other things I mean do you think coaching could be a possibility I mean, what, what's kind of what's kind of the plan for Hunter Taylor post life in baseball or does baseball continue for you as far as like maybe coaching or something yeah I actually um I actually coached at Heathwood Hall with uh Brian Busher and Joey Pancake this past uh spring and that was that was a blast uh I know I, I told myself I didn't know if I'd be able to coach but I you know I did it and it was awesome um as of right now I'm not sure I'm not sure what my path is going to take me you know I like coaching a lot um I don't know where it's going to take me. I'm, I still got one class left before I graduate, so I'm getting that over with this fall. And uh, I'm still coaching there at Heathwood, so we'll see what happens. But as of right now, um, that's kind of my path, just trying to get get my degree and, and see what happens. No doubt. So, obviously, Hunter, you're a guy, I mean, literally just, just finishing up playing in 2018. You're a guy very close to the Gamecock baseball program. And a lot of your friends, obviously, former teammates – uh, we're on the team this past season, the 2019 season, which South Carolina, we all know about the struggles, missed out in the postseason. When, when you take a look, because I'm sure you watched a lot of the games or maybe, heck, you watched all of them, but um, what would you say to South Carolina baseball fans that are going, going to be coming into the 2020 season, just let's call it how it is, just flat out frustrated about – maybe they don't even know about – they're unsure about the direction of the program. Maybe they're unsure of Mark Kingston. Well, I mean, what would you say to those fans to assure them that everything – is moving in the right direction. South Carolina does have the, the, the right guy or the right guy for the job. My experience with Mark Kingston is he, he will he will get the team where they need to be. Um, you know, I can't say anything bad about him. He in my opinion he will get them where they need to be. Um, I understand why they're frustrated. I mean, it happens. It's South Carolina. We're we're supposed to win, but like I said, Coach Coach Kingston will get them in where they need to be. And I it might be a year. Who knows? If next year they might win the World Series. You never know. But like I said, they uh, they're they're moving in the right direction as long as he's there. I can assure you of that. No doubt. So kind of switching gears here, Hunter. Uh, something a lot lighthearted, more so funny. 2018 South Carolina. I believe you guys were playing North Carolina and Charlotte. Uh, I guess the first question I should ask: Have you seen the video of Mark Kingston getting hit by the baseball? <laughs> yes, I have. He wore it. Yeah, I was going to say, how how badass of a move was that by Mark Kingston to mid-interview get – I mean, then he got nailed. It wasn't a glancing blow. Like, he got he got nailed to wear it and continue with said interview. I mean, that, that had to be a riot in the clubhouse. Yeah, we, we talked about that for a while. I mean, that just that's just his personality. I mean, he's he's hardcore, and that's that proves it right there. I mean, he, 
he wore one right off the chest and didn't even blink. <laughs> I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. <laughs> no doubt. So no, it was you, it was awesome. So before I let you go, Hunter, I want to ask you. Um, obviously, you've got a lot of great memories at South Carolina, but when you look look back, maybe the funniest story that you can uh, that you can tell on the airwaves from your time at Carolina. Uh, funniest story. Because hmm. I know in baseball, there's well, a lot of them. I know you can't tell all of them, but there's a lot of them. There, there's so much craft that happens in a lot baseball locker room. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't tell all of them, but uh, we did used to have some dance parties after we won some games up in the locker room, after we won some big games. And uh, there was there was one dance party where Alex Decino got a little carried away, and I won't say what happened, but it was uh, <laughs> needless to say, it was it was really funny, and <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was hilarious. I can't say it over here, but I wish I could. I can't, but uh, <laughs> it just that's, <laughs> that shows how Alex is, and that was just yeah, stuff like that happened all the time. That that's just an example, but. We had a lot of fun. It was it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. I wish I'd go back and do it again. So, last question, one more, Hunter. When you look back on your career, your favorite overall memory as a Gamecock at the time when you were wearing the garnet and black? Uh, wow. There's so many. Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably have to say uh, opening day of, of 2018. Just, you know, everything was new. We were getting – trying to figure out who we were. And, I mean, we lost – but it was, it was still good. I mean, we, it was just getting that season started. Everybody was, was figuring out who was, you know, who was who and everything like that. But just the start of that season, something felt different. I mean, we didn't do good at first, but it's in the back of our heads, there was never a doubt that we were going to, you know, we were going to be in the talk at the end of the year. And that first game, for some reason, like I said, we didn't win, but just felt different than it normally did. I think that was, that was probably one of my best, Best memories. You were the opening day catcher as well, so that certainly helps. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, no doubt. But, yeah, Hunter, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure. Would love to have you back on again. And I can speak for uh, Gamecock baseball fans when I say, again, things may may have not always been great. Sometimes they were great. Sometimes they weren't. That's obviously the game of baseball. But uh, really appreciate – I mean, you were were a spark plug, a catalyst for that team, a leader, and I don't think anyone could deny that. So, it was a pleasure to watch you play, sir, and uh, let's definitely do it again sometime for sure. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. So, for Hunter Taylor, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.